Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Views and opinions expressed by hosts, invited speakers, and callers do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. All day, all day. All day, all day. How long you All day, all day. How much time you spent at the mall? All day, all day. Okay, welcome everyone to Tando Radio Show. Well, brought to you by Black Talk Radio Network. I'm your host, David Wren, aka Dave from LA. Just want to thank you all for tuning in and checking us out today. On this uh, weekend, this long weekend, Hope, hopefully you're enjoying it with family and friends. And today is May the 25th, 2015. We got a live show for you today. As my man Scotty says, we don't take no holidays off. I love it, I love it, I love it. Big shouts out to Scotty. Also, everyone, go to Black Talk Radio Network and support the network in all of its efforts to bring you some of the best programming uh, and, mo- most importantly, a programming that's specifically designed for you and, and is massaged and nurtured around your needs and what it is exactly uh, what our collective agenda is. So go, please go to Black Talk Radio Network and support the network. You can make a monetary donation there. That would be great, well appreciated, and well seeded uh, for the furtherance and the development of the, na- of the uh, network itself and all of the programming that's there. And also support the network by telling other people about it and about all of the shows. Be greatly appreciated because if you enjoy it and you're learning something from it, Spread it, spread it, spread it, and be a part of the overall growth of this network. And go to Tando Radio Show on Facebook. Hit us up there and jump into uh, Facebook, and and you can see some of the stories that we have going on, uh, what we're going to be talking about that day. I usually post what what it is that we'll be talking about and a couple of articles or, or videos that go along with it, so you can always follow us there and get up to the date. Uh, just to let you know, looks like I will be traveling uh, this this week. Um, we'll be in Atlanta on Friday. On Friday, I believe. Yes, I believe it's Friday. Got to check. Uh, but I will let you know what it is, and hopefully I can do a show from uh, there on on Friday, but or, or I may be traveling. Depends on how things go. I gotta. Let, I will let definitely definitely let you know. I'll be in Atlanta uh, teaching a a silver and gold, a precious metals class. If you're interested in that, you can give me a call. Seven. Oh, forgot my phone number. Nine five one seven nine zero eight three three zero, or you can uh, text me or uh, send me a, a PM inside 
in, on Facebook, David Wren, W-R-E-N, or go to Tando Radio Show, and you can leave a, a personal message there. So we will uh, definitely be there. So hopefully everyone is having a good week and spending it with the family. In today's show, what I want to get into is, is it's I really want to hone in on where we are and how we, you know, what was some of the things that, that got us here uh, and so that we won't be fooled by some of the same agendas and the same individuals because um, it's worked so well before psychologically uh, we've been profiled and they're playing on that psychological profile and we, it, it would be in our best interest to to, to start to not allow mainstream media, mainstream media or any other media outlet determine how we think. We should have an, everyone can have an opinion. That's, you know, that's not really based off anything, but everyone should have a, I, I think it's, it's so important that we have an educated opinion. There's, and, and what I mean not by are a, because so many of us have opinions about things and, you know, someone will ask us A or B and we will just give it. And that's that's a deadly thing. It's, it's sometimes it's okay to say, cool, I don't know about that. I'll find out. Because it's so important for you to have that type of mindset. There's so many things I don't know about, so many things that you don't know about, uh, but we have an opinion for everything. And I think that's very, very, you know, could be very dangerous in so many ways. And, and, and it can be used against you. And, and you, your your thoughts could be manipulated because I, I I appreciate my mom so much. She she used to say, "Be careful what you say, because then everybody will know what you're thinking." So I, I'm always very selective in what I say. Sometimes you know it's good to to present yourself a certain way, as far as because you have no obligation to certain individuals. But I'm saying that because of this. We really need to know what people's agendas are. We really need to know what people's agenda are, and it's super, super important for us to know that. And so what I wanted to do since today is a day that they observe um, the veterans, and the key is, it's funny how in this country, they trick you with so many things. They allow you to see individuals in your family that you would want to support but the whole system in itself is totally contrary to what you really, really believe. But what we do is we buy into the theater, we buy into the advertisement, we buy into the lie, the, the, the total lie. When you really, really think about it, they would have you to think that there was some fight for, our, for the U.S.'s freedom. No what was really happening was the U.S. was fighting to colonize and to manipulate other people in the world because they've already had you right where they wanted you. And today's show, I would like to, to introduce you to uh, one of the most decorated Marines, is the most decorated Marine in, US, in the United States Marine Corps history. His name was General Smedley Butler. And you would be surprised with this gentlemen what he stood up for and 
it's amazing how when you look at the whole thing, it always goes around these certain individuals, these certain people. We did a show on the Kennedy assassination. Well, there was also a plot to overthrow the U.S. government in 1933. The economic environment was so correct. It was, it was once again, it was very similar to Nazi Weimar Republic and then, then ended up being the Nazi, Nazi Germany. And that's because the Nazis at that time saw the same conditions, and guess what? They tried to seize the opportunity. And it's, it's something that you really have to understand what we're dealing with here. One of, the, one of the things that a lot of people overlooked is that the Nazis hated communism. And, you know, they've got you to, to believe and to think right on their same lines because then that perpetuates their agenda. Totally. One of the first, one of the, one of the, the, the most staunchest enemies of the Nazis were they hated the communists. Hated them. Absolutely hated them. And they would do anything to destroy them. And they tried to in so many ways. And so it's it's so funny what sometimes what we think something means is totally opposite of what it does. They sold you on a bag of lies. And what I want to do is I want to start bringing you some of the goods on what some of the real agendas were and who these real people were that were doing it. You're going to see some familiar names of the past interjecting themselves here in the future. I would always say be careful about playing by other people's rules because then they rule. You have to establish your own agenda. And hopefully your agenda is one where you sincerely care and you sincerely love every other living thing around you. To never, ever, ever, ever love anything that you try to manipulate and that's a, what has a, a lot of the things that's been going on and so we're going to get into this one video before we get going but it's, a lot happened this weekend uh over the weekend the the whole forced vaccination thing is taking on new meaning in north carolina is taking on new meaning in other states they are going to totally push this completely because this serves their purpose. Uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership was passed uh, on the 21st out of the Senate, which basically means that contractually or not contract, well, yeah, contractually or based by written law, which they try to make you beholden to, in God we trust. That's who they really trust. You, you, don't, we didn't even, you didn't even realize that that's who they were talking about. They're talking about the one most likely that you are. They're talking about some, something completely different. Well, over the weekend, in God We Trust, started the whole disintegration of sovereign rights and sovereign or rule and sovereign governance in this country, even though it's already... But they needed to get become more and more blatant because they slowly conditioned conditioned you. They marinated you a little more and a little more to now you're going to be fully cooked. And I mean fully cooked. So Trans-Pacific Partnership was 
was passed and that has such a a underlying meaning that we refuse to, to, to really look at it and accept it for what we are. Everything that you were told about this country pretty much was a lie. And that's basically the truth of it all. And we need to start facing it so we can stop living a lie. At some point, we're going to have to say enough is enough. And just not participate in the system any longer. Don't let You don't tell them that you're done with it and then respond to them the way that they think. Because then you're really being subjected to them. We need to walk away from this system and establish a new one completely. And we should do this as fast as possible because we have an opportunity to make some real, some I mean, some real significant changes that really matter in going into a different direction that's more sustainable and more in, and more. Uh, inclusive instead of exclusive and this is the overall position that we're, we should be taking and I was talking to a good friend I said wow it's so funny so many people now are afraid to die they're afraid to die mentally they're afraid to die uh, uh, physically they're afraid to die to their comforts and Usually people that are, are afraid to die is because they're not brave enough to live. It's time for us to start living. Big, 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 big shouts to the great confidant. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And really do appreciate you. So time for us to have the courage to live. And this is what Tando Radio Show is all about. It's about the power of love. We don't love no power. We love the power of love. So want to get into this conversation. want to introduce to you Smedley Butler and what happened to General Lieutenant General Smedley Butler, the most decorated Marine in, in the United States Marine Corps history. And you would be surprised with this, what he said and how he really felt about everything. And I'm going to post some of some of the things that he said. You would be surprised. You would be surprised. And it's one of the few uh, people, militarily-wise, that I respect because of his overall moral convictions. He would not compromise his moral convictions for someone else's agenda. Now, that's a real sellout. So you're listening to Tando Radio Show. If you'd like to get in on the conversation after everything is over, you can give us a call after the video is over. Give us a call at 712-775-7035, and the participant code is 660079. We're going to go ahead and want to introduce you to uh, Lieutenant General Smedley Butler. First, Mike Thompson begins a paper chase that takes him into the dark heart of fascism in the America of the 1930s as Document investigates the White House coup. 
On the 21st of November 1934, the following rather chilling article appeared in the New York Times. It concerns the discovery of a planned coup that could have altered the course of American history. Yet today, hardly anyone knows anything about it. A plot of Wall Street interest to overthrow President Roosevelt and establish a fascist dictatorship backed by a private army of half a million ex-soldiers and others appeared before the House of Representatives Committee on Un-American Activities, which began hearings on the charges. If these long-forgotten accounts can be relied on, I seem to be looking at an attempt to set up a fascist government in the land of the free. A coup that, that could have toppled one of America's most revered presidents, paved the way for a possible alliance with Italy and Germany, and thereby changed the complexion of World War II. Fascism was seen as an example to be learned from. Because it seemed like a quick fix. All you needed to do was get people to shape up. You could have had a handful of the wealthiest people in the United States found guilty of treason and sentenced to death. But just what was this plot? Who were the Wall Street interests? Or was this nothing more than a moment of paranoia from a national media not renowned for its self-restraint? Well, the answers to some of these questions may have to wait until I can get my hands on the bulk of the evidence, documents detailing evidence heard behind closed doors by a congressional committee. But I already have the official statement released by that committee when it reported back to Congress. Its members clearly had no doubt that a fascist coup was in the offing. In the last few weeks of the committee's official life, it received evidence showing that certain persons had made an attempt to establish a fascist organization in this country. There is no question that these attempts were discussed, were planned, and might have been placed in execution when and if the financial backers deemed it expedient. So, such a plot, backed by powerful people, was waiting in the wings. That much is very clear. But how did it come to this? Well, it all happened during one of the bleakest moments in U.S. history. They used to tell me I was building a dream. The America of 1933 was in the teeth of the Great Depression, a time of extreme poverty, desperation, and the barren plains of the Grapes of Wrath. Brother, can you spare a dime? I see millions of families trying to live on income so meager that the pall of family disaster hangs over them day by day. Once I built a tower, now it's done. Brother, can you spare a dime? The Great Depression is not called the Great Depression in this country by accident. Michael Kazin is professor of history at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. It was the deepest and the longest economic downturn in American history. As many as one-third of the labor force was unemployed in the early 1930s especially. The Really, the core of the industrial economy was all but shut down. Say, buddy, can you spare a dime? 
all of this added to a, a sense that American society was coming apart, not just the economy. People no longer had much faith in the authorities at any level, economic or political. Yet the image of those days we've been left with is not social unrest, fascism and treasonous plots, but one of dignified suffering and resilient faith in the American dream. No one illustrated that better than President Franklin D. Roosevelt, whose New Deal reforms promised jobs, pride and fresh hope to ordinary Americans. I, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help me God. FDR's New Deal policies brought an increase in public work programs, more help for the poor, and the removal of the dollar from the gold standard. Yet while history remembers FDR as a visionary saviour in America's hour of need, some at the time saw him in a very different light. There were major elements of the business community that uh, hated Roosevelt, and they hated Roosevelt out of all proportion to the scale of the measures that he had actually brought in. Professor Tony Badger is Master of Clare College, Cambridge, and author of several books on Roosevelt's New Deal. These were businessmen who essentially thought that Roosevelt was putting America on the wrong road in a big way in 1933 and that it was setting the federal government up as a sort of arbiter and enforcer and intervener in the American economy in a way that they were deeply afraid of. Such powerful enemies had been made within a hundred days of FDR taking office in 1933. The businessmen were also aware that out in the country there were demagogues who were making really popular, apparently radical-sounding appeals, and they were always worried that Roosevelt uh, was unleashing these forces, would encourage these, what they thought of as crackpots, to wreak havoc. The right wing in America wasn't going to sit back and let this happen. Although its members were a curious alliance of rich and poor, north and south, they were united by one central concern. America was changing in a way they didn't like. Professor Kazin. The idea that the government would create jobs, the idea that, that these jobs would be given to uh, all religious groups and all racial groups was very threatening. And so a lot of people who didn't like uh, what Roosevelt seemed to be doing with the, with the government didn't like it partly because the very people who were cheering Roosevelt were people who this still majority of white uh, Protestant Americans believed should not have any power at all in government, should be subservient. American society was fracturing along racial lines as well as political ones, and the right was sensing a new power. There were insurgencies we could call sort of proto-fascist, groups called the Silver Legion, uh, the Silver Shirts, or the Black Legion. Uh, most of these groups were continuing some of the themes of the Ku Klux Klan. And these groups often carried out uh, vigilante violence against Catholic workers, black workers in some of the factories in the North. Uh, these groups had great aspirations to become much larger than they were. Some of them had aspirations to imitate what had happened in Italy and, and was happening in Germany. It's into this world that the plot to overthrow FDR was born. But who was going to lead it? And how did they think they'd get away with it? 
I'm hoping the answers lie amongst the formerly secret papers of the Congressional Committee that investigated the planned coup. These, I'm told, are locked away in the National Archives of America, a few hundred yards from the White House in downtown Washington. Well, this seems to be it, the National Archives Research Center. Fantastically grand building. Looks like there's strict security operation here. Airport scanner machine. Hello, I'm from the BBC. I've got an appointment with archivist Jessica Kratz. Okay. Hold on one sec, let me give her a call. Thank you very much. Jessica led me down increasingly claustrophobic corridors into the heart of the archive. Oh, this is staff area, um, legislative records, here, watch your head. The documents I'm after are from a committee known as the McCormack-Dickstein Committee, after the two men who chaired it. Okay, so here are the papers, the um, official committee papers. They're kind of organized by, you know, this file code here, uh, HR73A-F. And Special Committee on Un-American Activities on Nazi Propaganda. It was established to investigate the activities of fascist sympathizers in the U.S. in the early years of Roosevelt's presidency. It's a very small amount. Only, what, four boxes, four and a half boxes for what they did in executive session. So it doesn't look that much, and there's even less than it looks. For what the committee investigated and how much testimony they heard, yes, I mean, it's a very small amount. Despite the paucity of documents, there are some that catch my eye starts with some interesting disputes between uh, the general and the committee. The chairman, general, you are a retired commandant of the Marine Corps. The most important testimony in these records is from a senior commander of the U.S. Marines, Major General Smedley Butler. I was in the Marine Corps 33 years and four months on the active list. Major General Butler came before the committee of his own free will. He had, he said, been contacted by a well-connected New York City broker called Gerald McGuire. McGuire met Butler a number of times and slowly revealed his audacious plan. He and his financial backers wanted Butler, a highly decorated war hero, hugely respected by rank-and-file soldiers, to rouse an army of World War I veterans, many of whom were angry that a bonus they'd been promised had yet to be paid. The idea was that the general would use these men to help seize the White House just like Hitler and Mussolini had used their private armies to bully their way into power. At the time, Butler, a staunch defender of democracy, went along with the plan, but he was secretly appalled. Inside the National Archives, I was joined by writer John Buchanan, who has made a study of right-wing America in the 1930s. These super-wealthy capitalists essentially wanted to pose such a threat to Roosevelt that he would basically step aside. If FDR would not cooperate and step aside, they would execute him, kill him. Smedley Butler's testimony shows the plot was at an advanced stage. McGuire said to me, I went abroad to study the part that the veterans play in the various setups of the governments that they have abroad, like France. And I found just exactly the organization we're going to have. It is an organization of 500,000 super soldiers here in America. Well, I said, I suppose you get these 500,000 men in America. What are you going to do with them? He said, did it ever occur to you that the president is overworked, 
we might have an assistant president. He went on to say that the position would be a secretary of general affairs, a sort of super secretary. He said, you know the American people will swallow that. We have got the newspapers. We will start a campaign that the president's health is failing. Everybody can tell that by looking at him. And the dumb American people will fall for it in a second. Now in his 90s, Jules Archer was a young man of 18 when General Smedley Butler gave his testimony. He remembers just how idolized the man still was by the tens of thousands of veterans who'd been under his command. He was a fantastic anti-war general. He was very popular with the uh, soldiers and sailors. He fought for them, and he fought for their rights. That was one of the reasons he was selected for the plot, because they knew he could raise a paramilitary army of veterans who would follow him because they, they believed in him. It was here at the Association of the Bar in central New York City, just a stone's throw from Wall Street, that the case against the plotters came to a head. The chief witness, Major General Smedley Butler, walks up these steps past the giant stone pillars that tower above me here and through the rather elegant doors. Even today, all the officers on either side of me, behind the large wooden doors, are packed with people who are, are going through today's important legal cases. But back on Tuesday, the 20th of November, 1934, this was perhaps the most serious case the country could possibly have faced. And the room where it all took place is up several flights of stairs in what's known as the supper room. It's not about mobilizing people. It's about dialing for corporate dollars. These two parties have sold the U.S. government and the American people to the highest bidders. important witnesses who came here was Paul Cumley French, a journalist Smedley Butler took into his confidence after the conspirators had tried to recruit him. French had also met chief plotter Gerald Maguire at his Wall Street offices, and he recounted their conversation to the committee. We need a fascist government in this country, he insisted, to save the nation from the communists who want to tear it down and wreck all that we have built in America. The only men who have the patriotism to do it are the soldiers. And Smedley Butler is the ideal leader. He could organize a million men overnight. During the course of the conversation, he continually discussed the need of a man on a white horse, as he called it, a dictator who would come galloping in on his white horse. He said that was the only way, to save the capitalistic system. But it was Smedley Butler, war hero and soldier's friend, who exposed the plot. He continued his meetings with Maguire until he gathered enough information on the plotters to bring the evidence before the McCormack-Dixtein Committee. But given that there were no recordings of these meetings, or letters written by Maguire outlining his plans, how can we be sure that the General didn't exaggerate or even make up the whole story? 
Jules Archer, who went on to study the lives of Smedley Butler and Representative John McCormack, is convinced the plot was real. He remembers talking to McCormack about his time as chairman of the committee that investigated the case. McCormack was a veteran politician. He was an advisor to Roosevelt and other presidents. He had a heavy Irish accent. He told me General Smedley Butler was one of the outstanding Americans in our history. I cannot emphasize too strongly the very important part he played in exposing the fascist plot in the early 1930s backed by and planned by persons possessing tremendous wealth. And there was no doubt about it that uh, McCormick was absolutely convinced that Butler was telling the truth. On the Nazi activities, attacks on the Nazi movement in the United States. He presents representative. In this early radio archive, you can just make out the other co-chairman, Representative Samuel Dickstein, warning Americans to be aware of the threat from fascist forces from within. We have succeeded in unearthing evidence to define the Nazi government here as the most dangerous threat to our democracy that has ever existed. And the central character of the plot, the plain-speaking Major General Smedley Butler, was caught on early newsreel from the time, explaining his part in exposing the plot. I talked with an investigator for this committee. He told me they had unearthed evidence linking my name with several such veteran organizations. As it then seemed to me to be getting serious, I felt it was my duty to tell all I knew of such activities to this committee. My main interest in all this is to preserve our democratic institution. So Smedley Butler remained adamant that he was the target of a fascist plot, and there was never any doubt either in the mind of committee chairman John McCormack that the forces of fascism were gathering to storm the White House. But who was going to fund the coup? Even with the backing of 500,000 veterans, a plot of this sort against the most powerful government on earth needs money as well as muscle, and an awful lot of it too. Well, according to Smedley Butler, this was where the big business moguls and Wall Street brokers behind the coup came in. They, he was told by Maguire, would soon step out of the shadows in the form of a newly created lobby group. Soon after he made this promise to Butler, the American Liberty League was born. McGuire said, well, you're going to see in the next few weeks in the press, this organization is going to be created that's going to front for the whole thing and we're going to stand up for the Constitution and we're going to stand up for our troops and so on. And lo and behold, about two weeks later, splashed all over the major newspapers of the time, especially in New York and Washington, the creation of the American Liberty League. To get a flavor of the ideology that motivated the Liberty League, here's one of their leading supporters, Demarest Lloyd, writing in his magazine, Affairs. Popular government is a perilous extravagance in time of emergency. The present situation is more destructive than war, and much more difficult for a popular government to handle. It is quite apparent that unless confusion is to become chaos, Congress, like a long line of unfit rulers in the past, should abdicate. It's a matter of record that the membership of the American Liberty League included some of the most famous names in business. Its benefactors read like a who's who of household products that are still familiar today. 
General Foods, the makers of Maxwell House Coffee, Birdseye and Colgate, Heinz Foods, US Steel and car manufacturer General Motors were all supporters of the League. These are industrial, individual titans of industry and they talk to each other and they wound each other up into ever-increasing frenzy and denunciation of the man in the White House. They become quite a fevered, conspiracy-oriented group of individuals. They are the people who go on to form the American Liberty League. The treasurer of this organisation was the broker Grayson Murphy. Little research has revealed that he was none other than the boss of the man at the centre of the plot allegations, Gerald Maguire. Later in the McCormack-Dickstein report, a shipping company called Hamburg America Line was accused of providing free passage to Germany to American journalists willing to write favourable copy on Hitler's rise to power. The company is also alleged to have brought Nazi spies and pro-fascist sympathisers into America. John Buchanan has studied this later section of the report and has discovered that one of the company's managers came from a very famous family. The, the thing that surprised me most was to discover in the documents that this company, Hamburg America Lines, had in fact been managed on the U.S. side at the executive level by Prescott Bush as part of a web of Nazi business interests that were all seized in late 1942 under the Trading with the Enemy Act by the U.S. Congress and Prescott Bush is the f grandfather of the sitting president of the United States. Of course, at the time, it was perfectly legal to have dealings with Hitler's Germany. Prescott Bush was not called to account for this until America entered the war. Neither was it a crime to be a member of a lobby group like the Liberty League, and I found no firm evidence that the Liberty League itself was behind the plot to overthrow their country's democratically elected president. But academics like Professor Tony Badger believes that it was, at the very least, a magnet for those with such intentions. It would always surprise me if they had been really, there had been a lot of very fine-tuned planning. But the sense that forces that might be unleashed by the New Deal pose such a threat that desperate measures might be needed does ring true. But yet again, the evidence is hard to find. You'd have thought that if there was any linking leading American industrialists of the day to a plot against the president, I'd be able to find it at the National Archives in Washington. Yet when John Buchanan and I leafed through the rather thin files there, we found no direct reference to any of these people. Though I'm now starting to wonder whether any such evidence has been removed or deliberately withheld from the records in the first place. General Butler seemed to have harboured similar suspicions. After the investigating committee published its findings, he accused its members of deliberately editing out of his testimony the names of top business people who he had linked to the plot. On the 17th of February 1935, just after the committee had published its findings, he had this to say on Radio WCAU. Like most committees, it has slaughtered the little and allowed the big to escape. The big shots weren't even called to testify. They were all mentioned in the testimony. Why was all mention of these names suppressed from the testimony? The co-chairman, Samuel Dickstein, admits that the papers were censored, but insisted that this was for a very good reason. 
The testimony given by General Butler was kept confidential until such time as the names of the persons who were mentioned could be checked upon and verified. This accounts for the fact that when the results of the hearings were made public, references were omitted. That argument would have seemed fair enough if names had later been checked and verified. Yet most of the senior figures implicated in General Smedley Butler's evidence were never asked to appear before the committee to answer the questions raised. Even though, had the allegations against them been found to be true, people like Irene Dupont and banker J.P. Morgan could have faced the death sentence for treason. The investigations mysteriously turn to vapor when it comes time to call them to testify. FDR's main interest was getting the New Deal passed. And so he struck a deal in which it was agreed that the plotters would walk free if Wall Street would back off of their opposition to the New Deal and let FDR do what he wanted. John Buchanan. With their cover blown, it seems likely that the plotters and their wealthy backers had little option but to accept such a deal and return to the business they knew best, making money. But what chance would such a coup have had anyway? Even with millions of dollars and 500,000 veterans at their disposal, could the plotters ever have pulled it off against the armed forces of a great power like the US? Well, according to Professor Tony Badger, back then it might not have been quite as difficult as it now seems. The American army was anything but powerful in 1933. The peacetime army had been reduced to 120,000-130,000 scattered all over the United States. It was a depressing and soul-destroying business being an army officer in the United States in the 1920s and 1930s. So I think the sense that the American army as such was a powerful group that could have put down any trouble it has to be seen in that in that context the professor william becker of george washington university insists that defeating the federal army would only be the first of many big challenges still facing the coup leaders i just remain extremely skeptical about this because the U.S. government was, in fact, very, very decentralized. When one talks about you know, seizing power, I just think it would be extremely difficult, given the decentralized nature of the government. There, there would have been enormous resistance to that. Professor William Becker. Perhaps the biggest remaining question is whether, had the coup gone ahead and been successful, the American people would ever have put up with a dictator in the White House. It seems unlikely. After all, this is a nation that describes itself as the land of the free, the home of democracy. But Professor Michael Kazin is not quite so dismissive. He believes that if we today are ready to accept the loss of some of our liberties in return for personal security, might Americans of the Great Depression have been just as ready to sacrifice some of their freedoms for food, jobs and financial security. People wanted security. I mean, the key word in the 30s, as now for that matter, was security. Uh, social security, of course, uh, health security. And Americans, I think, in the 30s cared more about security than they did about democracy. And so if a group of uh, businessmen, uh, with the help of some people, former military people or current military people, could have fairly quickly brought the economy back, created the sense of security, then yes, it is possible that, that they would have gotten some popular support. America would have become a dictatorship. 
democracy would be gone. America would have joined Hitler and Mussolini as a fascist triumphant. Document The White House Coup was presented by Mike Thompson. The readers were Peter Marinka and Kerry Shale, and the producer was Philip Sellers. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network for live programming schedules. Visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All right, welcome back, everyone, to, ten, to the Tando Radio Show, brought to you by Black Talk Radio Network. I uh, posted it, that video, and I posted that. was a couple of, of them that could have posted. Um, and this one is, is, is very telling because if you look at what was happening in 1933 and the same people that were involved were involved in so-called in, in Kennedy's assassination. And... One of the things that the similarities, why we must understand this, is that there has always been a America has always identified with the Nazis throughout history because they are deeply they were created from the manifest destiny decreed that indeed that this nation was founded on, and if you look at within this video there's one thing that that I always like to see is that you see in Nazi Germany they had a a organization governmental organization known as Homeland Security a lot of people don't know that about and see because they they put things in such plain sight that you, you just oh well so what no big deal because they are slowly indoctrinating you to what they're going to do what their real agenda was I hope that you picked up that they had a disdain for the communists. They were controlled by corporations. This, these corporations started to band together to overthrow because they wanted to have a fascist government where they would rule. Fascist government is where corporations rule. And let's look at some of the names of the corporations that were there and involved in this whole thing. They would be DuPont Chemical Company and so many and does so much known throughout the world. DuPont, J.P. Morgan Chase, J.P. Morgan, of course, the banking, the banker J.P. Morgan. If you know the history of J.P. Morgan, he tells you so much. But you got to remember this about J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan had funded Thomas Edison over Nikolai Tesla because Nikolai Tesla wanted to give the world free energy. J.P. Morgan said, are you out your mind? And then that's when he started to fund Thomas Edison who was jealous and hated Tesla. And Tesla was an understudy, an apprentice to him, but massively was, was far superior to him. Also, U.S. Steel, General Motors, Standard Oil, Colgate, Heinz Food, Chase National Bank, Goodyear Tiger, I mean, <laughs> Goodyear Tires. And there were some claims that Prescott Bush was the one that was leading all of this. 
Now, would that be far-fetched? No, not at all. Because Prescott Bush has been, has been linked and deeply rooted with the Nazis. And this was all at the same time. And if you look at how they were going to do everything, they wanted to get the military, former military people, and come up with a grandiose scheme that they needed to save America. Guess what? They tried in 1933, and they were foiled because they didn't think anybody would stand up to them. And they were foiled because of one general, a Marine general, that would not go that would not be a part of it. They didn't know who he was and what he stood for. They didn't read his writings about the Boxers War. They didn't read his writings about being in when he was in uh China. They didn't read his his writings from a bunch of everything. They didn't listen to what he said cuz if if they were known what he said, they would would have known his his character. He also wrote a book. General Smutley Butler wrote a a a short book called the racket, war is a racket. Great, great book. And I'm going to read a quote from uh, Smedley Butler. And this tells everything about him. Totally everything about him. He said, I served in all, um, I served in all commissioned ranks, from second lieutenant to major general. And during that period, I spent most of my time being a, a high-class muscle man for big businesses for Wall Street and for the bankers. In short, I was a racketeer for the capitalists. I suspected I was just a part of the racket all the time. Now I am sure of it. He totally understood what they were using and always have used the military for. They keep telling you that they're, they take individuals put them into and, and to give them, say that what they're fighting for is noble. But you see, your creed must be in line with your deeds. And this country's military agenda has never aligned with its creed. It has had a underlying deed that is more in line with the Nazis and with Manifest Destiny and with a demonic agenda to conquer through racketeering through through war through famine through sanctions through intimidations this is really what they were about and they so deceived because they had a great marketing plan they had a great marketing plan Tell them that we're, we are the good guys, the land of the free, and just pillage the rest of the world and enslave the rest of the world. And a lot of people bought it for so long. And if you look at those similarities through, throughout the Weimar Republic and through, the, and through uh, 1933, those times are back again. And let me show you the, the, the similarities. Now, now they have different military uh, quasi or, or paramilitary organizations. You know, they had at first Blackwater then changed their name to, to um forgot what they changed their name to. It just had it on the tip of my tongue and left. Uh, then they changed their name again to everything, then Dynacor and all these other things, and we fooled these people. 
and you know, it it was because you we thought they were something else than what they really were. Not knowing history of what this agenda is, it repeats itself. And so now you have that going on to this very day. The same economic environment is happening now. They are denying veterans their benefits. That was the start. They did that purposely so the veterans would get mad and they could raise up Spedley Butler to have a fascist government in place. Because they realized something. It was, as Zig Bronensky said, it used to be easier to control a million people than it was to kill a million people. Now it is infinitely easier to kill a million people than it is to control them. So back in 1933, during the Great Depression, all of the same metrics, all of the same indications, and all of the same environments and same conditions are happening right now. And they've already set up for they've stopped taking care of veterans and what they're going to try to do is they're going to try to bring you a new Smedley Butler they knew that they got Smedley Butler out then he would be upset and then they could come back and get him this administration has fired the most military people in, in, in all of history the people that stood up remember the the questionnaire, the 29 Palms questionnaire that I read, I should, I can't re, uh, pull it back up, re, uh, but it was maybe two weeks ago, where one of the questions would be, if need be, if if you were ordered to, could you fire on American citizens who refused to surrender weapons? That was a question. Because they are finding out who would be, and they're selecting for their new coup, which has already happened. And the biggest indication is the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Because now this gives corporations the fascist-style control that they've always wanted. Not hidden and and doing it in secret, creating different secret uh, 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 groups and societies and different behind closed doors doing things. But what they want to do is they want to slowly get it out in front of your face. Why do they want to get it out in front of your face? Because now they have you on their knees. Now they want you on your belly, not able to even to look up. They have a never enough power mentality. Because that's what every deal with the devil does, is that you write off your soul. You lose your soul. When you lose your spirit. So now, all of the conditions of 1933 are here. And they're going to rise up. Now they just know something. The psychological profile of the the slaves of 1933 is just a little different than now. Not much. But now they feel that they've perfected it. And they are going to bring situations and conditions to stir up the pain and the anger 
so that it will so that you'll be right for the surrenderance of your free will they don't care about a dime they don't care about a dollar they don't care about a paper dollar they created they don't care about digital ones they create those they can care mostly about controlling the resources because those that control the resources has humanity on a leash walking behind them on all fours this is the agenda of the past and this is the agenda now the only difference is this is that there is no excuse for today's people to not to know but so often we don't have the right interest we are we are so in love with our comforts and not even knowing your comforts are the very disease and the poison that's going to cost you everything and you will surrender it all unless you realize that you are more than what some pen some book some law or some decree by man determines you to be you have to start to live by first not being afraid to die. And this is where we really, really are. And I hope that you're starting to put this all together. You've been thoroughly... They will give you whatever the, the look of the day is. They'll get, you know, a celebrity to run for an office and so that you'll you'll say, oh, yes, I support whatever, and blindly supporting. You know, we, we, when you heard me say before, <laughs> blind allegiance is the first step to genocide. Blind faith is the first step to genocide. They will present to you this, whatever that they, that it is that they need to, to achieve their objective. And their objective is to have you completely and totally subservient to them. And guess what? They don't even like the other people that they're in partnership with. And they will fight with them and they'll use you to, to fight their battles against them. It's such a destructive nature that we have given into. And we've given into this destructive nature, nature is because we have no importance on collective prudence, on sustainability. And we have, we have placed no significant importance on wanting to make sure that our obligation to all the living things here, that we fulfill that as a good steward. We're not, we don't have dominion over anything because that dominion mentality is, is one of the first introductions to the arrogance of pride. There's nothing that lives that's more important than the other. Nothing at all. Because once you establish a hierarchy, then you will give in to one. Time for us to wake up and start standing up and be willing to die for what we believe in. Our, our moral convictions should not be compromised. 
There are so many of us that are afraid to die because we don't we didn't we didn't have the courage to live. It's time to live. You're listening to Tando Radio Show. If you'd like to get in on the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call, 712-775-7035, and the participant code is 660079. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. everyone to Tando Radio Show brought to you by Black Talk Radio Network. I'm your host David Wren, aka Dave from LA. Just want to thank you for uh listening today or if you're gonna catch us on the rebroadcast because you're hanging with families. Cool, cool, cool. Do that. But make sure uh this is so important what's happening uh because this is we have to prevent the mistakes of the past from re establishing themselves because I'm gonna tell you you're not going to get another Smedley Butler. You know, a, a lot of these, sometimes it's so important for us to get people that are on the inside to turn sides. And for people to understand that there is a bigger objective than where we are right now. And there are some battles that you fight at different times. And I just really appreciate the people that stick out their neck for everyone else and they go virtually nameless and they they will not compromise their morality but see the key with them is that they're motivated to action the the coward and the person of valor both experience fear at the exact same time the only difference is that the coward is paralyzed by the fear while the person while the person of valor is motivated to action, they have to do something. They won't. They refuse to look away. They refuse to sit down. They refuse to be told what to do. And for them, they 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 can be. You can say you can tell me what to do, but that doesn't mean I'm going to do it. And they refuse to compromise their morality. These are the real people that we all should be emulating because the society and the atmosphere that they create is right in line with the creations of life. So many of us have, have we don't even realize that we've long lost our creations of life and what we've created. What we're creating is a stagnant cesspool of destruction by compromising our morality. But here at Tando Radio Show, and the listeners of Tando Radio Show, 
We don't do that, and I appreciate you guys so much. Let's go to a caller uh, real quick. Welcome to Tando Radio Show, brought to you by Black Talk Radio Network. What is your name, where you call it from, and what is your question or comment? It's Brother Davis, Dave. Brother Davis, what's going on? I'm traveling across Idaho into Wyoming, man. (laughs) And once again, you knock it out the park. I hope people realize the names that were involved in that. Yes, Brother Davis. Because these people are vital in politics today. Yes. That's how deep their reach is. But I could go into a lot of giving you understanding of why uh, this is just a fiction plot. Now, the reason why I say that is because it's been created by man. Right. And therefore, the destruction will only be limited on the level that man is on. It doesn't make any sense for me to try to give you a lesson to make to take you other areas. But if you have, remember, Dr. Uh, Willis uh, Williams, the hip hop uh, therapist, told you that you were dark matter. That should have yep. gave you a very great insight to your present circumstance. But let me say this: that although all of this is happening around you, if you are not talking and telling other people, you're victimizing yourselves because yeah. you're allowing them to go home, get caught up in a propaganda system that's in full swing. They don't know how to decipher the news on on TV, so literally they believe it. That's what the, they were saying yeah. back in the 30s. Yeah. We control the media. So therefore, we can do something right now. Another thing you want to keep in mind, there's constantly bills to move this agenda forward. If you look right now, I think it's the National ID Act. Once again, it's going before Congress. That's a part of this agenda. You yeah. need to voice yourself against these things as a collaboration of the whole United States. If you only know one person in each state, and each one of those persons called from that state and made a concerned gesture, you know what the statement can be made that people all over the country are calling. You see, we have to understand that just because we live in a small spot on the earth, doesn't mean that we cannot tap into the same technology that they are using to keep us caged. And understand wow. how I said that. Caged. We right now have to take a very vocal part in letting them know, no, we don't want national vaccinations. No, we don't want national uh, IDs. No, we do not want a national police force. And if you notice, Al Sharpton has been talking about that now. Of course. Of and course. All of these, and, and all of these things are being done by corporations with their pawns around the board. But if mm. we don't speak out, we count ourselves out. Understand how I say that. If we don't, as a collaborator, speak up, we count ourselves out and let this agenda go on. Right now. Wow. With the information you're getting from just the Tando show, you're armed to the teeth to go out here and at least bring it to the focus that corporations have played every player into their circumstance. Even with that Asian Pacific pact, Japan had no choice. Remember, they had a major natural disaster that has 
radioactivity all in the water. They have yep. to submit to American control, okay? China is sitting on the outside of that saying, because they really don't have to participate. But are they going to leverage the Asian countries? The, you have to understand the players in this. If China leverages the Asian countries, that pack will fall apart. But in the meantime, if the American voice isn't heard, the world will sit back and watch the greatest country in history become victimized by St. Vincent. And make, make no mistake, you heard me say St. Vincent. Because right. their whole agenda is based on, I understand how I say this, very clearly understand. Their agenda is based on primordial evil. And they will not stop unless we do something. So listen, man, I'm going to regress and get back to the listening. But wow. you keep doing it, brother. And I, I'll, keep, I'll keep listening and phoning in when I can. Be blessed. Yes, man, Brother Davis, as always, always, always bringing it and telling it exactly, you know, how it is in the perspective of it all and keeping us all focused on it. You know, just before you go, Br Brother Davis, you remember in the video when he said we control, he laid out, systematically chronologically what they control and is basically everything that we considered the authorities absolutely and see another thing that you want to consider that you should have heard none of the major players were caught right and that becomes vital at understanding where we sit in the realm of things right now because wait, wait what? say that again brother davis say that again None of the major players were caught. Right. And if you right in the situation we are in now, the names of those players are being reborn. Because now if you don't if you don't know, there's a Prescott Bush who is the great grandson of the original Prescott Bush running for office in Texas right now. Yep. So believe me, this is a deep seated primordial evil. Be blessed, brother. I'm a listener. Man, thank you so much, brother. I, brother. Brother Davis, as always, give my love to Sister Davis. Um, and we're going to have you back. Uh, we got to have a, a, a call uh, a, a call just with uh, Brother Davis. Um, and um, in, in the very soonest Brother Davis has some time, him and Sister Davis, because the two of them, oh, man. Brother Dave. Yeah. Yes, yes. Like yeah, this Scotty. Um one thing to consider about uh the Bush family is they trace their wealth back to an enslaver. I forget the guy's yeah. name, but it was an article that came out about their lineage and um they trace it back to a guy who uh, of course got rich practicing slavery. Now right. You're right, Scotty. You're right, Scotty. I read that a number of uh, years ago, but it was literally father for the news. But it is vital information, right there. You're absolutely right, sir. And and you mentioned that this plot occurred in the United States in 1933. Well, guess what was created in 1934? That's right. What was created in 1934 was the Federal Prison Industries, um, yep. also known as Unicor, which is a corporation owned by another corporation, and that corporation happens to be the United States of America, and they use penal labor from the prisons to produce goods and services. So my, my whole point is is that black people and other non-white people in this country has always been under 
fascism. I mean, my fascism. Thank you, Scotty. Right. I, I mean, my definition of fascism, my understanding of it is a partnership between government and corporations. And, mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, in the 1980s, just to expand upon Unicor is when Reagan came to power and he allowed, allowed the private, the, uh, privatization of prisons and now we got the correction corporations we got the geo group and 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 so i just feel like that partnership between corporations and and the u.s government have always existed in relation to us i mean even if we just look at jim crow you know before integration i mean all these from the smallest business to the big corporations that did not want to serve black people so we have always been under the under the oppression and when we look at Germany, Nazi Germany, well, let's not forget that the Nazis came to America to study its eugenics programs against black people and, feeb- and, and, and people we would classify as disabled. Okay? Yep. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Scotty, Scotty, I'm going to tell you something. You guys are vulnerable fountain of information because if you remember, that was when Reagan did the deregulation and that was part of that process. Sure. Listen, brothers, I'm going to hang up. Thank you, and I'm always be listening. Take care, peace. Peace. Okay, peace, peace, brother. But yeah, Scotty, you 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 absolutely absolutely right. And what a lot of people don't what, what we need to understand is that, like you said, fascism. And the key with fascism is this: is that the corporations dictate governmental policy, mm-hmm. and that's how all of this is able to create and recreate itself. And the Constitution itself. The, 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 um, what a lot of people don't realize, the Constitution itself is a, it's a fascist document, but they don't know how to read it to see it. Well, we always because, point out the 13th Amendment that did not end yeah. slavery, but legalized it, constitutionalized it, and took it from the hands of, of private individuals and put it into the hands of states, which then, um, um, you know, passed the black codes under Jim Crow and just arresting mm-hmm. black people for no reason to put them back into slavery. And then they lease them right, right back out to, to the corporations. And, and something else you mentioned that struck a chord with me. Um, I think I was like in my third year in the, um, U.S. Army. I was in stationed in Hawaii when the mm-hmm. LA rebellions occurred. And I mm-hmm. asked my, mm-hmm. I, I, I asked those people that was in my circle that if we were deployed, you know, to a U.S. city and they told us to fire fire on our own people, would you pull that trigger? Or would you turn that, that gun on the one who gave you that order? And, and, and many and many of them could, you know, they were dumbfounded. They had never yeah. considered the possibility. Yeah. But that I considered that possibility when I watched the L.A. Rebellion on television and now you know we got what's called the oath keepers so-called oath keepers who want to protect the constitution but mo i have looked at them and 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 uh, studied some of the things they put out and they're a bunch of racist white supremacists man so i i it and and that's the you know scotty because you're hitting it on because see that's the same that that that's the same cookie cutter approach that they have reinstituted because of the generations have passed where this generation knows nothing about what go, went, went, went on on the past. Now, during the during riots, Scotty, I was on probation as a police officer in L.A., and I was there when 
in um, at a bus where they were having all of the, the officers stage at at the bus headquarters, not telling the FBI actually told a commander and a, a deputy chief. I was right there when he says, "No, we do not want you to put people in the field because we're data mining right now." And what what was that? They wanted to know the anatomy of a riot and where they they were because they were going to bring this back and reinstitute it at the appropriate time. And just like you said, Scotty, you would ask the people that you were with, would you would you turn that gun on the general public or would you turn it on that one that gave you that order? And because that's what they wanted to vet out to see who was what and how everything would start to come about because we've already been under a military and a fascist coup. And they just keep the whole propaganda of everyone just thinking that we are in the land of the free is nowhere near that. And, and it's a bunch of, you think about it, Scotty, what has been the greatest terrorist act in history is when the U.S. government dropped two nuclear bombs on innocent people, women, children, and the elderly that had nothing to do. But they dropped those two bombs on there to give the psychological edge to their fascist agenda where everyone would submit to them saying, you can't defeat us. And also, Man. I think it was to see how the public would respond. The the American the public would respond, respond. and yep. of course, we know they cheered it on, just they like they do on, today. Scotty, right? Just like they right. do today. Yep, they cheered it on, Scotty. And I'm gonna tell you what what happened. What a lot of people don't realize is that these governments are all in cahoots with each other. Whenever they go to a war, 97% of the casualties of war are are innocent people that have nothing to Mm -hmm. do with it. So that's who these governments are really at war with, is the general public. I think it's a depopulation agenda. It's a depopulation, yes, exactly, Scotty. It's a depopulation um, agenda. And what happens is with Japan is they had a sanction against Japan. And Japan, you know, they have nuclear power on the island because they're a small island. They don't have resources, so they need to have... Uh, uh, their imported um, all of their energy imported so when you put an embargo against Japan what are you basically doing you're starving them out what do you expect them to do you're basically instigating them to have a military response to you and when Japan attacked Pearl Harbor they flew over all of the homes I don't know if anyone has ever been to Pearl Harbor but it's in the middle of a community Yep. it's in the middle of a community just on the outskirts of Pearl Harbor is is a residential area. And when the Japanese uh, uh, fighters and bombers came over, they were waving at the people of, of Hawaii mm-hmm. because th- that wasn't their intended target. Yeah, you, and they you're went, right about that. Again, I was stationed there for three years, and I was stationed at uh, Schofield Barracks. And, hell, mm-hmm. we st- still saw bullet holes in, in, in some of the barracks from... from uh, um, you know, when the, uh, Japanese Harbor, planes, yeah. uh, attack. No, they attack more than Pearl Harbor. They attack military yeah, the, bases the airfield, as well. Yeah. But, but you're right. right. They did not attack the civ- civilian population. But the United States does the exact opposite. Does the exact opposite. They invade a country and say that they're the liberators. And, and they've never been invaded. But they are the pervasive invaders of all the lands. And so it's, it's really fraudulent. And they're setting this whole country up because it's cyclical. It's totally cyclical. These people want to maintain power control, and they realize that the fear has an expiration date. 
So they've got America right where they want the American the, the American public to substantiate, validate, and to be an accomplice to this demonic agenda that they have. And when we do nothing and say nothing about it, and you know, Scotty, outside of you, how many people around you, when when Colin Powell went on there to the UN and was talking about the weapons of mass destruction, they couldn't fool you because you know a liar when you see it because of the historical. Everybody, there were so many people that didn't even blink an eye to it. So what? No big deal. And, and even though from history that you were being set up. And what they're going to set you up for, Scotty, and this is the, the, the segue into the next part of the show, they're going to set you up just like they set the, the German people up. And, you're go- and this country is going to see the, the reinvention of a new Hitler because the United States is the mirror twin in the, in the exact identical twin as the Weimar Republic in Germany just before Hitler came into power. Well, I'm going to keep... This is- I'm gonna keep listening, uh, keep listening, Dave. But see, this is why I constantly preach armed self-defense, and for oh, and, and for black people to get off of that democratic plantation that that <laughs> wants to push all this gun control crap uh, down our right. throats. Because you know it's easy to kill an unarmed people, man. And, and I've heard oh, several people say that what we're seeing, not just you, but I've heard others talk compare what's going on in the United States today to what happened in in. Germany back in the day so I, yep. that's why I say man and, and, and the last point is I have read that there are 700,000 vets in prison behind nonviolent drug crimes and mental health issues from, from the wars or the undeclared wars that they were sent off to and I was thinking today Ooh. man if, 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 if I could uh, uh, have all 700,000 uh, those enslaved, uh, uh, former military veterans and former army, man, we really could restore this country to, uh, well, we could actually found a country that is based on true liberty, freedom, and justice and, and not just, you know, um, um, white supremacy that we see. Man, Thanks, Scotty, you, you, you're absolutely right because what can happen is the Declaration of Independence and what it says in the Declaration of Independence can be can be exactly true and it's the part of the declaration of independence that says that you can make a new government the, the portion of it uh i'm gonna grab it i usually know it right off the right off the top of my head and most uh, of the state constitutions say the same thing i have been studying each state constitution and and they say that and i'm gonna paraphrase it but most of them say that all the power is inherent in the people and, and they yep. have the right to reform remake and even abolish is, their governments there, there it is here it is right here and it says uh it, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are all men are created equal that they're that they endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among them are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness and to the security of these rights governments are institutions among men not men among the institution i made that part up deriving these these just powers from the consent of the government 
that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of its end, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute a new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizations, its powers in such form. That's what we're talking about here. That's exactly what we're talking about here. And it's so important. Thanks, Scotty, as always, man. Just, just this is where we are, and I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be in this with anyone other than people like you, Scotty, and all of the listeners that we have, from Brother Davis to Chico Stick to, to Dr. Hawkins to, to a bunch of all the other people, Brother Braggs, all the people, uh, Deborah, you know, Big Mo, I could go on and on, Melanie, on and on, Cece. But, see, this is the thing. It's going to come a time when we're going to have to alter and abolish and to establish new foundations on the principles. And that's the key here. And let me tell you why we have to do this. In Greece, right now, right now as we speak in Greece, I posted this, this story inside of Tando. Greece is having their hospitals. They're having a shortage of pain medication. They're having a shortage of basic supplies to maintain a hospital. This is what happens to any and every form of government that we allow to become tyrannical. And it just, here's here's the article. It's from The Independent. Independence uh, in the UK. Greek Greeks, Greek hospitals can af- can't afford painkillers, scissors, or sheets as budget cuts bite. Just read the first couple of articles of this. Let you know what what you're really putting yourself up against here in America. You thought it can't happen to you, but you didn't even realize that you were the main intended target. You were you are the main and intended target. Greek hospitals have run out of supplies such as painkillers, scissors, sheets. As staggering budget cuts have left the health system unable to provide even basic provisions for the operation and medical procedures. Huge cuts to the health care budgets amidst the economic turmoil which made millions unemployed have left 2.5 million uninsured up for up from 500,000 in 2008 the times reports on the coming on coming to power the uh the government scrapped the in euros is $5 fee for attending state hospitals and pledged to hire 4500 more healthcare workers despite the needs for austerity and criticisms from their uh creditors Austerity means in the cutting back, you continue to pay for uh, benefits that you no longer can receive. They're going to cut back. This is the thing that's so important with Greece and why Greece is a, a indication of what's coming here. Greece is in a state of default. And Greece has already said that they will not be able to make the IMF payments on July I'm, I'm sorry, on June the 5th. And this is what happens to a country that 
they've allowed the fascist fascist style governments and fascist style uh, policies and procedures that they uphold. When I say they uphold, I'm talking about you, the people. When you uphold fascist style policies, this is what you get in return. This, imagine here in the United States, because it's it's not something that if it's a matter of how soon. It's not even a matter of when. It's a matter of how soon. All of the perils and pains. Because if you remember what, it, what, what the civil rights said, it says the same pains and punishments, the same pains and punishments, that's because their intention is to bring the pain and the punishment. Scotty laid out the, the criminal and the, the, uh, the prison industrial complex. That's the punishment. The pains is going to be the austerities, and they're going to start, cu- start cutting. And you don't think that's true? In the 2016 budget, which will start in October here in the United States, Congress has already, the Senate has already voted and approved $5.7 trillion cuts. And that's going to be in health care, social services, and education. When they say 5.7 trillion, they really mean 11, 15 trillion. The national debt right now that they admit to is about 18, 19 trillion dollars. So it's three quarters of the national debt that they're going to cut out. And guess who they're going to cut it out from? You. And why are they going to cut it out from, from, from us? It's because we've allowed them to. We can't fault them for what they do. All of this is our fault. We've allowed it, and at some point, we're going to have to reevaluate what we've been accomplished to. Yes, we were naive. We were born into this, but you can't stay ignorant once you know the truth. Because then the only thing that you're trying to do is you're trying to ignore reality. You can ignore reality, but you can never ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. So what's happening in Greece, is already started and is going to continue to happen here. There are some very important things and measures that we're going to have to take. And one, we're going to have to take back our overall God-given free will. We, that was the, once you surrendered your free will, that is the moment that you became the slave. That is the moment where they became relevant. That is the moment when they became powerful and you became weak. At some point, we're going to have to say that man can't live on bread alone. But on everything that God, the great creator, has created and made into life. Man makes nothing into life. Man is a tool. Man is the tool. But your energy, how you, dis- how you use your energy, how you, how you uh, uh, disperse your energy, how you, the, the things that you create will have life forms. And everything that you give energy to continues to live. At some point, we're going to have to turn our back to this and put our t- attention on things that are sustainable and really matter. And then that's when the power of love can start to resonate through us. And that high frequency of it all will drown out that low death 
drum and that low death beat that keeps us mentally, physically, spiritually, and collectively insane. Man, we got much work to do. I'm ready, and I know you are, too. You're listening to Tando Radio Show, brought to you by Black Talk Radio Network. We're going to go to a commercial break. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. I think that if, you know, like America has ever run out of Vietnam and defeated as they should be in Vietnam, then black people over here will have to, you know, like, be in a position where they can defend themselves. Because I think that aggression, that aggression that's being directed against the Vietnamese people will be turned inwardly against black people in this country. See, America, in terms of where she goes and, you know, like, who she controls, a whole sphere of influence is diminishing. America is fighting on about five or six different fronts right now. Latin America, you know, like Africa, Middle East, and Vietnam, and here domestically. So I think that, you know, given the system and given that it operates off the military-industrial complex, which means that war is profitable and that, you know, like General Steel, or USS Steel, must make steel for tanks to hire people, you know, to give people jobs to, so they can spend the money to buy other goods. The very fact that the system operates off that principle meaning that means that when the man comes back, when the man is run out of every country, then it will become necessary to wage war in his own country. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Okay, welcome back, everyone, to Tando Radio Show, brought to you by Black Talk Radio Network. Uh, if you'd like to get in on the conversation, we'd love to talk to you and, and hear from you. Give us a call, 712-775-7035. The participant, the participant code is 660079. I love that, that, uh, that drop that Scotty just played. Man, it was so true. And I hope you heard it. Uh, I'm pretty sure Scotty will play it again. That's a, a great drop. And let me just let me say something that that I hope that you that we really need to come to grips with. You this the 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 opportunities that you've had in the past that and that you've known the comforts that you've known in the past. If you do not, invo- if we do not invoke ourselves, the plan is for there will be jobs. The jobs will come back. They will come back in a different form. They will not come back in the form that you've known in the past because that's not the agenda. What the real agenda is is this: is that in this whole demonic scheme that they have of depopulation via flag war and I say via flag war they, they put up a flag that is 
this team and that team. This is why they emphasize for you to be such a competitor in sports. Such a competitor in sports. But before we go to that, you know, we need to have the same ideology uh, as the Batet, as the Batets, the tribe of Batets do. One of the most peaceful societies on earth. They're in the South Pacific, and one, and I love this this culture because they refuse to teach their children to compete because they understand the principles of competition. See. You, we don't understand the principles of competition in this country. We think we do and we don't. What do I mean by that? We think that competition is something that's good, but competition is a poison that destroys. Because the Patets do not allow their children to compete because they want to maintain their culture and have an existence and a legacy that continues as one of the most peaceful societies. They do not allow their children to compete because they only allow their children to work in cooperation. There is no loser and there is no one winner. Collectively, we all go through this together with the intentions that we will meet the best possible end result together. But here in this country, they so indoctrinated in you, in everything that you have to compete, because that's an act of supremacy. I don't care what you think, you don't know the ills of things if you think there is such thing as healthy competition. It always brings out the worst. And as you continue to do it, you won't even recognize that you've become the worst. Then you'll buy off into this ideology, uh, ideology that us versus them. And then you'll speak with the, as, at the, as the United States what they do as us. You'll never hear me say us. With, they do what they do. I don't do that. And I don't suggest that you take on their sins in their direction and their mentality. There is no such thing as that. But see, that's what the spirit of competition does. They're going to trick you into everything. And then they're going to get you to only understand that. And before you know it, it's just like the, if Shamu has a has a offspring, that offspring has never known freedom. You've never known freedom. That's why you love competition. You've never been in a state of cooperation. There was no need for you to be in one. You were in a state of competition from the very beginning. Biblically, one brother grabs the brother by the ankle. And you don't, we, we really need to look at things for what they really are. And what's going to happen here is that they're going to have another major war. And for the first time, the United States will be invaded. And the bombs that you, that, that, that you used to see the U.S. drop on other countries and you would not consider that bomb being dropped on you, those will be dropped on you now. Because you've put yourself in a position for that to be, you fell for their ambush and attack. You fell for their trick. Because why do they want to do that? Because they want to show the rest of the world that the great Satan has fell. And because you have enjoyed the comforts of their demonic 
stealing and occupation and colonization of so many others. Whenever those fruits come to you, no matter how well they look, they're still GMO'd. They're genetically modified, and they're not sustainable. They're, off, they're, they're not authentic. They're synthetic in nature. They're not created by the great creator for the edification of your body. They're there to destroy and empoison and cause the disease to infect your body. And we bought off on all those comforts. And now we're right. We're totally right. We must change the way we think. And I know you understand that because you do care. We need to get back to caring. And we need to start talking about what it is that we're going to do. And we need to do that. So we're going to go to a caller real quick. Welcome, caller, to Tando Radio Show, brought to you by Black Talk Radio Network. What is your name, and what is, uh, what's your comment or question? Hey, what's going on, Dave? It's, uh, it's your man, Dr. Hawkins. Oh, uh, my goodness. <laughs> peace to all the listeners out there. <laughs> Doc, Dr. Hawkins, how you doing? And uh, Brother yeah. Davis had mentioned you, and I meant to say, no, you mean Dr. Hawkins, Dr. Will Hawkins. Yeah, he got it. He said Will and just, and just was so... A lady, he went on. Dr. Hawkins, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing good. How about you, Dave? I, I am, man. I'm very, very well. Uh, thanks to, to, this, to many of the great brothers and sisters such as yourself uh, coming together and, and seriously caring about our overall uh, sustainable direction. That really encourages me because I know that our labor is, and our fight is never, never will be in vain. Oh, no doubt about it. You know, I, I appreciate the kind words. And, uh, you know, the feeling and the respect is always mutual. And, you know, I heard a lot of great things uh, uh, on the show. And, man, I tell you what, it's a it's a heck of a situation to look at. And, you know, one thing I'd like to build on is uh, yes, when sir. the brothers earlier were speaking about the Bush families. And there's one thing that we we can't forget regarding them is that they own the world's largest drug company. Eli Lilly. Yes. You know, so so if we were to, to really go back in time and look at Eli, Hilly, uh, Eli Lilly's history from the very beginning, we would see that even in the 1400s, uh, the late 1400s, we can find a start for them in Europe and uh, and even more of an explosion. Uh, but then keep in mind, the company or the corporation went by many different names you know, before Eli Lilly. But the Bush family were responsible for manufacturing and putting together uh, chemical cocktails, if you will, uh, in the 1550s. That mm. that was subduing the slaves. So this history of Eli Lilly in the pharmaceutical industry extends back to slavery the same way that uh, uh, the uh, the psychiatry industry does. You know, and we're talking about an industry that rakes in over $6 trillion annually. You know, so people tend to, to let the drug companies off the hook when it comes to uh, the enslavement mm. process. And they had a vital, they played a very vital role in that. And I'm telling you, and it, that's a whole other show, though, but Eli Lilly, uh, they took certain plants in nature and, and tweaked them, uh, and they created some very... Uh, uh, very scary chemicals some very, with their alchemists and things of this nature. They created some very scary 
chemicals and uh, chemical cocktails uh, that they were that they were giving the slaves, you know, and and the slaves didn't know it. And uh, as a matter of fact, after the Civil War, what happened was then they just started to build uh, institutions. They started to build other institutions, uh, and they they started to contract with the U.S. federal government. So when people look back and we read uh, about gentlemen like Frederick Douglass, Frederick Douglass is telling us a whole lot. If we can if we can understand his language, because the brother was very deep, even though he just you know he was he, he freed himself from slavery, but Frederick Douglass tried to tell us a lot about what was going on, you know, with with the uh, drug companies in their infancy, those people that were involved before uh, the drug companies became what they were, uh, even in the early 1900s. So I just think that we shouldn't let we shouldn't let them off the hook. We should realize that uh, psychiatry as an industry and the pharmaceutical industry, they're run by the Bush family too, not just big oil, like they think here in Texas. Right. You see, that's, those are the, the shell companies that they have to, to hide what their real agenda is. You absolutely right, uh, Dr. Hawkins. And, and I'm glad that you, you, you brought that, that point because I didn't know that they were involved with Eli Lilly. I had no, I didn't know that. Um, oh, it's a Bush company. It's a Bush yeah. company, just like Hallib- uh, Halliburton. Halliburton, yeah, yeah I knew Bush. Halliburton was, yeah. And, yep. you know, I know a subject that's very close to your heart um, is their, um, uh, is them trying to corner uh, water uh, rights throughout the world, uh, you know, particularly down in South America, in Chile, and other parts of uh, South America, where they're they're actively trying to seize those resources. Oh, no doubt about it. As a matter of fact, uh, and I'm sure this this is you know this isn't news to your listeners, perhaps, but uh, uh, you know they're they're adding a lot of chemical cocktails to the water to um, you know make people docile and things of this nature, and uh, you know even the best filters. The best filters that are in the public sector can't even remove all the chemical cocktails, and yeah. people are looking at just one or two chemicals, you know. But they're putting whole cocktails in. So, so in other words, you may take one chemical, or you may absorb one chemical from the water, and uh, that chemical by itself doesn't do too much to you or have a, a noticeable effect immediately. But then, when you add other chemicals from from the same water source, it's like and and, and uh, here real soon I'm going to introduce you to a lady if she's willing to come out of hiding yeah. because she's been in hiding in, since 2000, uh, 2012 uh, and she exposed uh, the different the different pipelines, the underground pipelines leading the, the plumbing systems going to everyone's houses and I guarantee you uh, black folk and poor folk in general receive totally different water from from everybody else, even though the plumbing, uh, if, if, you know, if, to the untrained eye, seems to be coming from the same water purification source, you know. But they have they have many different plumbing systems underground uh, at right angles and things of this nature that are feeding specific households specific chemicals at specific times of the day, at specific days or during specific days of the week. So it's like, you know, Monday and Tuesday, they'll give you one chemical, 
And then uh, Wednesday and Thursday, you know, they'll give you another chemical. And then Friday and Saturday, they'll give you another chemical. And then Sunday, they'll give you another chemical. And those chemicals accumulate in your liver. And once they once they all accumulate in, in your liver, they give they create a different effect. And no one's talking about this effect. So we got to understand you have to be a chemical mastermind. I'm talking beyond these 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 what we see in terms of mainstream chemistry. I'm talking beyond them. You know, I'm talking about the new biophysics. Those that understand that. So right, right. so we, we got to understand, man. We got we got to start calling people out. You know. We we right. got to start calling it. We, we got to start saying it, saying it for what it is, you know. And we got to take the steps to uh, to uh, to make sure that we can survive, no matter what steps they are. Because I guarantee you, these wolves have a plan. <laughs> yeah, well said, Doc. And you know, that's the the whole thing is that there there are we have to refocus our energy into a way that is more conducive as to who we are and not to respond and to energize them but one but but we need to call them out we need to alter and stop what they're going to do and we have to redirect and resupport the people and the institutions that are there for the same reasons that we are and that is for the sustainability of the whole overall independence of life itself you know because we are all unique. Dr. Hawkins is, is very unique. You, there's only one Dr. Hawkins, and we have to un- understand and appreciate that so where we're not a, a respecter of person but a respecter of people, you know, because a person could be a corporation, and they try to throw these things in front of us so we'll and, and, and not know that whenever we allow a person, you're basically allowing a fascist entity to have the same... Um, acknowledgement in the same uh, capabilities that a human being, a living being does. That is a demonic agenda from the very beginning of go. And Doc, it's just so much where we, we it, that's going on where we we really need to gravitate to the to the great minds and the great uh, people in that are that are here among us that really want to assist and they really do care because. As you know, Doc, if you're a person of great intellect, means, or capability, you can, they will offer you whatever you, they will allow you to name your price in order to fulfill their agenda. And we really need to protect those individuals that will not give in to that because those individuals are priceless, you know, because that's what we're really fighting for is the priceless nature of us all you know doc and like you said we need to call it out but we also need to really engross ourselves with the right agendas and with the right people Uh, because I remember when you were on the show uh, not too long ago is that all of the technologies that they have are 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 great in nature but they're far uh inferior to what resonates inside of you and who you are and yep. I, I know that you know they really don't want you know the indivi- every individual to know who they are and how powerful their free will is and how powerful their their harmonic frequency is and 
you know, Doc, since, since you're here right now, because you just touch on that, regardless of what they have, you know, you said all the different cocktails that they're putting in the water and what they're, you know, because they're putting tritium in the water. Once tritium gets in the water, you can never get it out. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, Doc, what's the importance of the everyday person? How have they been able to distract you, the everyday person, from realizing who they are? Well, I, I think that um, I think that they use entertainment, as uh, Doctor West would put it, as a weapon of mass distraction. I mean, could you imagine if all of us, and, and I've actually called for this before, and, and, and nobody heard it, seems like, and, and I'll keep doing it until maybe, you know, maybe, maybe we actually start doing it. But could you imagine, this is just like, in a lighter sense, look at what happened with the, uh, with the NBA blackout. Let, let's just focus on that. When that happened a couple of years ago, you notice what happened? And I was on some of the conference calls with some of these brothers who, who, and, and they were dead serious about this. Some of the, some of the old school brothers from the ABA, the American Basketball Association, before the NBA became the NBA. You know, those brothers, you know, Dr. J and some of those other cats that were involved in that. All right, when the NBA blackout happened, the, the black athletes, the former athletes from the ABA, started to network again and they started to put things back together and they said okay good now we got these we can get these black athletes attention from the NBA now they see that these folks are treating them like slaves so now you know maybe we can we can bring them under this umbrella again and in this time we won't lose control of the sport of basketball right, you know right. so that's the direction that they were trying to move in but but here's my question could you imagine the type right, of power we could generate if all of us took our children out of that basketball program from elementary on up to college. Could you imagine right. what's happening? Because we are not only feeding the, the, the school to prison pipeline, you know, in many regards, but we're also feeding, obviously, different other, uh, other different industries, entertainment industries. So it's like... It's like, you know, on one hand, they're telling us subliminally and not so subliminally, you're going to be our entertainment till the day you die. You're a laughing stock to us. You're going to be a buck dancer. You're going to be a coon. You're going to be a hi-hatter. You're going to be a bedwitch. This is all you're good for. And, and, and in the meantime, we're going to stall. We're going to stall your life. The average black man spends most, spends most of his time in a jail cell any damn way. You know, we're going to, we're going to systematically give you bits and pieces of, of your life that for the most part you're going you're gonna to be uh, food for us you're going to be our ent entertainment and things of this nature and, and people are finally getting tired of that so imagine if we just, we just did that for real we just took all of our kids out of the sports programs and we didn't participate at all you know in their sporting, their sporting events and we came up with an agenda we all agreed we had several umbrellas in each state, and then we pulled those umbrellas in terms of communities. We pulled those communities under one umbrella, and they each state their agenda, and then we have common agendas uh, you know, throughout the states, and we pull all of our communities in the whole country under one umbrella, and we convinced the brothers and sisters in Africa to do the same doggone thing. Could you imagine what would happen when we approached when we approach, first of all, ourselves 
with this level of seriousness. You know, other people are going to get on board because because they know now that our attention is scattered. Nobody's taking us seriously because well, we, we may talk big, but our attention is scattered. And this is one of the primary weapons of, of mass distraction, is to yeah. scatter the people's attention. So for me, that's the first step. But, you know, and then at the same time, we, we got to, you know, let people know, hey, listen, we're not insulting your intelligence in any way. But, you know, this, this rabbit hole gets pretty deep, you know, in terms of learning about your, yourself, your true self. So then we should set up, you know, classes, you know, without the dogma, you know, and when if we don't know, simply admit, listen, this is a paradox to us, you know, we, we don't know. And we set up the, you know, spiritual-based classes where we could teach people uh, the, the real nature of their reality, the real nature of their spiritual anatomy, and then we can deprogram ourselves systematically that way, but we're the ones governing ourselves. Dr. Hawkins, we're going to have to have you back on. Time flies. Uh, because we definitely have to have that conversation of the action plan. What is it that we're going to do? I'm going to tell you, Dr. Hawkins gave a great, I mean, it's the start of everything. And then that can translate into my great, you know, the thing that I would love to see, the great day when we decide not to pay into anything. And we say, no, we won't move. Hey, can I give a quick example of what Dr. Hawkins said about sports being a distraction? Now, don't take me the wrong way. I am not bashing LeBron James because I don't know what his level of education is. I don't know what his level of consciousness is. And he has shown solidarity and awareness of the oppression that black people face in the streets. He has shown solidarity. But just the other day, when he was uh, discussing, I guess he was asked a question about the protest that's going on in Cleveland right now after a judge said, without a doubt, this killer cop killed this woman, but I'm going to find him not guilty because I'm not sure all the fatal bullets came from his gun. And so what LeBron James said was that, you know, for the people out there protesting, saying violence is never the answer, although that seems to answer a lot of uh, things for the United States itself, uh, but he said violence is never the answer and I feel like if we win an NBA championship that'll bring everybody together and I'm like just thinking of the 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 not um just how naive that comment was again I'm not bashing LeBron James I don't know his level of consciousness he has shown some you know measure of consciousness in, in, in knowing what's happening to black people aren't right but that just illustrates what Dr. Hawkins just said about them being a distraction. And if he believes that winning an NBA championship is going to bring a halt to police brutality in Cleveland, then he's surely mistaken. I mean, hell, I mean, hell, if anybody would have, would have done that, I, I think that would have been Michael Jordan. How many championships did he win? And nothing happened. You know, uh, you got your boy uh, Kobe in L.A., you know, or in uh, in uh, in, uh, in California, how many yeah. championships did he win? And with Shaq and all of them, and, and nothing's changed nationwide. I mean, and I agree with you, man. That's that's just, man. That's just that's the man. I hate to say it like that, but boy, that's oh man, that that, that that's yeah. beautiful thinking. I'll just yeah, say it, it like that, man. That's oh man, it is, it is. But see, this is this is why we have your yeah, Black Talk Radio Network, Tando. Scotty, Dr. Hawkins, this is because this is what we really need to hear. I don't, you know, we need to stop competing against each other and start cooperating 
uh, and have a collective prudence in our direction together. And Dr. Hawkins, we got to get you on the show this week because this conversation was just just too as as always too necessary. And because now now the action plan is what we really have to to focus on, and that's what I know that you're committed. Scotty's committed. Uh, there has to be because LeBron James has a voice because our actions have been subdued. I want to thank everyone for listening to Tando Radio Show today. Great show. Thank you so much, Dr. Hawkins, Scotty, um, uh, Brother Davis, all the callers, all the listeners. And God willing, we will be back tomorrow. Uh, Remember, before you ask for a blessing, to be a blessing. Before asking for a fortune, give a fortune. We'll be back, God willing, tomorrow. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.